Testing one, two, three. Okay, good evening. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Baptist Catechism question number 13. It's the second of two consecutive uh, catechism questions dealing with creation and how God created the world. So I'll ask the question and then we'll all answer in unison. The question is, how did God create man? And the answer is, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in righteousness and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. So there's uh, three uh, references, three scriptures uh, that are brought to our attention to support this. But when I look at the question, and you'll see the same thing too, I see that there are really four parts uh, that can be addressed from this question, and those four parts are, number one, God created. We know that it's probably the prevalent belief today in the world that God did not create man, but uh, rather man evolved through uh, an evolutionary process. Some people want to uh, transfer the problem to another planet and say that we arrived here from, you know, life from another planet. Well, where did that life come from? That kind of argument, things like that. But we're going to talk about the fact that God created man, that he didn't just show up through a random process. Number two, that God made man male and female. And number three, he made man after his own image in righteousness and holiness, and number four, that man should have dominion over the creatures. So these are the four uh, topics we're going to talk about today. So starting with uh, the, the three scriptures that were brought to our attention, Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28, we read, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping, every other, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this passage alone touches on all four of those uh, topics that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Colossians uh, 3.10 where uh, the Apostle Paul, one of his prison epistles, and he writes uh, and, have, and put on the new self, which is being, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator and uh, being renewed in the new self. So, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So here this is the, the precedent to this passage is don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't uh, participate in these sinful behaviors, but rather put on the new man. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed. Uh, And right here in Ephesians, uh, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So we're going to address the issues of that righteousness and holiness uh, being in the image of God. So, here we go. Part one, God created. So, we have what's known as a blank slide. Uh, (laughs) Were there any men before Adam? So, uh, I think everyone here would, it would be a unanimous uh, understanding. The uh, short answer I have something going on here with, uh, I'm not sure if I have a, like a delay in this. Um, I do have some kind of delay. Anyway, the short answer is no. There are no, uh, no men before Adam, so that's the short answer. And there it is again, just uh, so you believe it. The long answer is no, there were not. The, 
and I'm being facetious here, but the point is, is that it's not debatable when your worldview is, uh, you know, stems from uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed. We're reading scripture. It says that God created man. It doesn't say that man just kind of showed up, okay? So, um, I really do have an interesting thing going on here, Paul. <laughs> so, I just wanted to touch on uh, the, the theory of evolution. I really don't know how grounded uh, Christians are in general on uh, the creation versus evolution, and I can't really uh, get into a lengthy presentation. It's something, it's a, it's a seminar at the very minimum, and it's a semester or so uh, at the longest. But what about the theory of evolution? There's several problems with, with evolution. The, the basic concept of evolution, as just about all of you know, is that uh, through random processes, there are substances, atmospheres, there's matter, and there's time, and there's space, and through random processes, things kind of goop together, and once all the goop comes together, that suddenly, uh, pow, there's a little piece of something that they call alive, that they call life, and then another one, and another one, and so all these things supposedly just start popping up, apparently all over the place, and over millions and billions of years, these little things keep popping up and they gather and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. I'm talking a theory now. I'm not saying this is uh, actual because nobody was there so nobody could say this for certainty. But uh, the concept being that as things combine and things get bombarded by gamma rays and whatever, that things change and sometimes they change for the better, sometimes worse and Long story short, uh, a 747 appears, okay? Just random process, but that's what happened. The process of that was like a sponge developed, the sponge became this, and, and, and that became a fish, and that became an alligator, which became a cow, and meanwhile, there's still other things left behind, and things are... Uh, evolving from one another and eventually man shows up and man develops a brain and with that brain he uh, builds a 747 but it can't be designed because it started out as a random process. Um, some of you know that I uh, studied random processes, I studied statistics, I um, wrote a, a master's thesis on uh, stochastic processes, applying it to dynamic programming. I really don't remember most of it. It's, I'm, I'm glad about that, actually. But uh, back in the day, one of the, the key takeaways from studying random processes is that you don't get design out of random processes. So, with that being said, and I think it's like a, I don't know, it's like a month ago, and I talked about you just, you can't, using that process, develop a person that has, gets a heart and a brain at the same time, and if you don't have a heart, you're never going to get a brain, and if you don't have a brain, you're never going to get a heart. So the whole thing showed up all at once, which is uh, an interesting concept. So, problem one with equal, equal uh, with with uh, evolution, punctuated equilibrium and gradualism. So those are big words, but it's really simple to understand. Y you can think of the word punctuated meaning like sudden. And uh, the theory would be not that something gradually comes together and gradually it gets a little bit better and gradually gets a little bit better, but rather it's kind of like putzing along at the same level and then all of a sudden, pow, you know, it gets hit by a mega gamma ray and uh, a whale becomes a cow in one fell swoop. 
one mega gamma ray. That would be an, an example of punctuated equilibrium. Gradualism, on the other hand, would be that gradual change, and you know they talk about oh, it's just a little bit better, so it hangs on to that change, and then you know several other changes happen, and it hangs on to that one because that one's good, and it chucks away the ones that are bad. And gradualism is is not going to survive as a a theory because number one the the mutations that are observed uh, today. Uh, it's like 99 out of 100 are bad. And so if you keep having bad things happening, it's not going to take long before that particular, uh, call it a species, that form of life is just going to come to a crashing halt. Uh, it's like um, a gambler's ruin bet where you just have the odds a little bit against you. You can bet, and the longer you bet, the more guaranteed it is you're gonna fail. Well, this has a 99 out of 100% chance that you're going to fail. That gambler's ruin bet is not going to allow that, for, that, that form of life to survive. The punctuated equilibrium is kind of like that heart-brain thing. To consider the possibility that something so fearfully and wonderfully made could pop up with uh, one gamma ray, you can't develop a heart gradually. You can't develop the brain gradually. You can't develop a person's body gradually. The, uh, there's so many other related items, and I'm not going to belabor them, but some of you have heard of uh, the principle of irreducible, uh, irreducible, what's, what's that? Complexity. Complexity. Come on up here, do the rest of this for me, please. <laughs> so irreducible complexity. Um, the, the great example that they use is a, a flagellum where it's got like 38 parts and any one of them is missing, you don't have a flagellum. And these are the things that motor around and move stuff around and they're, they're critical to life. An easy example to understand is you're overwhelmed by mice and you don't know what to do and you're waiting for millions and millions of years for something to develop. In particular, I'm thinking of a mousetrap. So after like the first 100,000 years, it's like the baseboard develops, but it's not gonna do anything. That's not gonna trap mice. And then over another 100,000 years, all of a sudden like a spring develops, but the spring and the board don't do anything either. And then you have the, the uh, latching mechanism and that develops and now you've got three components of a mousetrap but it's still worthless. 300,000 years have gone by, the rats are getting you know more and more populous. Then the, the bar gets developed and then affixing the spring and the bar and putting them together well finally you have a mousetrap. But why would the board ever last? Why would it hang around through the evolutionary process if it didn't have anything to do, what was beneficial ever about it. And it's not until you get all five components that you'll have an operating mousetrap. So if things are waiting for, in the case of a flagellum, 37 other parts to show up, the first part is gonna go away. The second part's gonna go away. It doesn't have any use. It won't have use unless all 38 show up together and they magically come together. So that's a, a short version of punctuated equilibrium and gradualism. The second problem, uh, this discussion of micro versus macro evolution, I mean, I actually did experiments on micro evolution in college, and I remember having fish in a tank and you just heat up the water a little bit more, a little bit, they didn't like it. But they would adapt, and they would adapt, and they would adapt, but, um, you know, there'd be a certain point and they didn't adapt anymore, but, you know, they may have gotten like a head start or something like that, and then the next fish that comes along, you know, maybe it has a higher starting point. But the fish remained a fish. It's macroevolution that is the issue when one species becomes another. And that would require pretty much um, punctuated equilibrium and uh, there's no evidence of it. There's no evidence in the, the fossil records. There's, there's, 
mathematically. It just isn't possible. And then, I already talked about this briefly, but random processes do not generate design. And I know it might be hard for you to contemplate that, um, an, uh, why doesn't an evolutionist consider a, a skyscraper a random process? If they believe in evolution, they're required to recognize a building, a skyscraper, as a random process. They're required to think of themselves and me and everyone in this room as a random process. And random processes, really, there's, there's no intrinsic worth to a random process um, that would give our lives the value that we know they hold. So just the whole concept of evolution is it's not only is it a theory, it's, it's absolutely impossible in my opinion to, uh, to be able to defend uh, correctly or in truth. You would have to stretch the truth, you would have to lie, you would have to deceive, or you would just have to not know. And a lot of people don't know. And so, uh, you know, 100% you know, transparency here. I, you know, I was an evolutionist for 33 years. I had a really good handle on math. I understood all the odds and everything. Still believed in evolution, because I was just kind of lazy. So I really didn't put any thought into it. And then, God opened my eyes one day in a church service, Rosie Greer was talking, and it's like, there, I can't believe it. After all these years, there is a God. And uh, that was the day that, that God opened up my eyes and uh, saved me. Long, longer story than that, but uh, I'm not, I, I cannot demean somebody that believes in evolution in that I was him. And the Apostle Paul talks about, don't do this, don't do this. And Ephesians 5, you once were that. Don't do that anymore. Same with me. Don't, you know, you were there. It was wrong. Don't go there anymore. So, anyway, God is the one who made man. That is how man arrived on earth. Part two, male and female. Uh, we read uh, just a few moments ago in verse 27, so God created uh, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So it's clear, number one, from this, uh, that God created man, the, the word Adam, but it's male and female, when he talks about basically cre uh, creating mankind. So uh, Genesis 5.2, again, uh, God iterates, uh, male and female, he created them and he blessed them, named them man when they were created. So again, we see that God was the one who created man, and number two, that he created them male and female. Genesis 1.28, you know, why male and female? God blessed them. God says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, male and female. Um, and so do it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every other living thing that moves on the earth. So uh, the question that comes up nowadays, and you know, we could talk uh, hours on this as well, we're not going to, but gender confusion, if you're on Facebook, which I'm not anymore, as of a long time ago, but I think it's Facebook, and correct me if I'm wrong, that has like 53 different gender identities that you can assign to yourself. And I don't get it all. I'm not quite sure how they got there, but you know, I get the part about male, female, and other, so I could, I could see three. You know, it's just, it's just man conjuring up whatever man wants to conjure up. And then this male identifying as female, female identifying as male, male, uh, identifying as female but still wants to be considered a male. It's like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of crazy. But um, 
we, 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 so we hear about gender identity disorder, or we hear about gender reassignment, which you know to me is just it's um, just a tragedy that uh, you hear some person talking about how proud they are that their nine-year-old has had their gender reassigned and they're going through hormone therapy, and it's like it's not just you know child abuse; it's I you know. It's just so far beyond that, it's beyond the scope of this discussion. The point is, there's two genders. If you, again, believe that all scripture is God-breathed, there are two genders. There are not 53. There are not, there's not a continuum. Gender fluidity or a gender continuum with unlimited genders is foreign to the Bible. You will not see anything in the Bible that speaks about anything other than male and female. It will talk about uh, promiscuity, it will talk about fornication, it will talk about homosexuality. Um, all of these are uh, behaviors of sin, and you're just not gonna hear anything about a man becoming a woman or that it is okay. Uh, it's male and female, and that they are to uh, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. Okay? So part three, God has made man after his own image in righteousness and holiness. So God didn't have to make man special. He did. And when he says that he created us after his own image, um, it's not to say that we are God, because we're not. Um, there's only one true God, and we are uh, not, um, you know, God is a, a spirit being, and we are not exclusively spirit beings. We are physical. I can see you. You can see me. But uh, he has made us after his own image in certain ways. He's given us uh, uh, various attributes that make us special and um, amongst all that is created such that we would uh, that we're responsible for having dominion um, over all that is created. Colossians 3.10 uh, talking about uh, put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator and Ephesians uh, put the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So when you read that, righteousness and holiness, um, sometimes you think, well, you know, so what, what, what exactly is the distinction between righteousness and holiness? And so I, I did my little, um, I don't, it shouldn't, say it exactly like that. I went into the concordance just to get the words, um, and I found out quickly that I, you know, until I get some Greek to type it up, I could not pronounce it. Uh, but the word righteousness, uh, many uh, syllables, many punctuation marks and things like that, uh, many accent marks, uh, refers primarily to man to man, man's relation to man. Uh, the, the Greek word is typically referring to how people address people, whereas holiness is how people address and act uh, towards God. So with that distinction, it pretty much covers the spectrum of your behavior and the question is can we be perfectly righteous uh, you know or perfectly holy be holy as I am holy so there you go with your uh, comparison 2nd Corinthians 521 says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so yes we can be perfectly righteous, but not unto ourselves, only vicariously through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
and uh, th through God's grace, him taking us into uh, his family via salvation, uh, that is the way that we acquire righteousness. So part four is having dominion over creation. And just, uh, just a, a brief statement on that. Obviously, God did not uh, say anywhere in the Bible that he gave other, uh, I'll call them species just for brevity, that they did not get special godly attributes uh, according to scripture. Um, I'm not saying that he didn't give them really some remarkable attributes. Uh, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and there are, there's a lot of animals out there that have absolutely spectacular characteristics. And there are flowers that have absolutely spectacular characteristics and just physical processes, the wind, the grain, the Purple Mountains, majesty. Um, but we, are, we have been commanded to uh, have dominion over all and uh, not regard ourselves at the level of other creation, uh, but rather that step above the one that is in command of all creation uh, in deference to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that is the quick answer to question number 13. I now open up the floor to questions that you might have. So not a, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, my wife and I were talking about this whole gender. And even even, even for the reprobate, you could tell, like, we have a lady across the street from us, one obviously trying to be a male and one's obviously a female. So even then, they know what's right, what's wrong. They just don't, they don't know it, you know what I mean? So she's trying to play the male part, and she looks the male part, but she's still a she. You know what I mean? And that's just, you can see, right, the confusion and that's been put on them, and they just don't understand, right, what's, what's holy, who God is. And so they're trying to live out this male-female life that they're just not going to get. Let me ask you something. Do you think this person uh, having, let's say, maybe living 100 years ago, so back in the, the well, I don't want to place the roaring, let's say just right before World War, World War I, or something like that. So there's you know, stuff going on around the world, but there's absolutely zero going on about uh, gender confusion. Do you think this person would be attempting to change their gender identity? Or do you think it's because of the, the forces, the pressures of today's culture, the well, yeah. I think it's their, I, I personally think it's their, that's their, their sin, right? That is what God has put on them. And I think back then, they may have hidden it, right? Tried it. Like we know that people inside their own home, what do they do, what do they don't do? But I think, like you said, today, it's so open and prevalent. You can just be what you want to be. And there's no, there's no shame in it. There's no fear. They're actually promoting that. You go to the high school and they're promoting this, right? So with that, they're going to be more open. And I, I honestly see it more today, even in the public school, I see it more today than when I was in school, which was forever ago, but it's just there's more and more and more of it, and it's more open. Right. So yeah, back then, I don't think you would have seen it. I was actually wondering if other states, if it's similar, or since we're in California, just like do whatever feels good, you know, because I had a student as a freshman, and then I saw her like two years later. I was like, oh, like she was an algebra two as a freshman. I wonder how she's doing now. Couldn't find her. But when I searched by last name instead of first name, her name is now Zeke. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, you know? So I don't know if in other states if that is even allowed in more like conservative states, or if that's like a federal thing or state thing. That at that age you can even have your name changed in our official like school records. 
talking about you know cultural pressure and it's different pressures from different places but we're uh jeff and then josh uh were either of you going to mention that there's nothing new under the sun uh, no. okay <laughs> go ahead jeff what were you gonna uh, say? i was going to say I, I think it comes down to uh, uh society saying i mean they're basically saying god you messed up they're basically they're saying that god didn't do it right and it's because they don't believe in god for one thing but they're saying uh, you know, it, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it's kind of like if you were to sit in a concert hall and listen to Mozart play his newest composition, when he finished, you walk up to his music and you erase notes out of his music because you don't think it, he did it right. You didn't like the way it sounded. That's exactly the way society is today. They're saying, God, I think you messed up. I know you're the designer, but I don't care. I think I know better than you do. It's like they can't tell Mozart there's too many notes. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. All right, Josh? Um, I was actually talking to someone yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, who was actually uh, went through the whole I'm going to send a microphone back in just a second.
because as we know, anyone can preach to them that if they don't if they don't have Christ, I mean, it's, not, it's not like they're really gonna understand why. And another thing I'm thinking about is like somebody might think that um, you know maybe they think that they're uh, create you know when they were created uh, it wasn't like or even if they believe in you know, creation, but um, if it wasn't a, uh, I, like I was thinking, I, I wonder, do they think that they were, they, they were uh, a mistake, right? Uh, that's the question I was thinking in my head, like, I mean, do you feel like when we were created, it was just a mistake? I mean, it's just kind of sad to think, right? It's like, at some, some point, you're like, you know, why do you feel like Suicide rate, right? That's probably a very pervasive thought, right? Like being just so gloomy, everything's a mistake, or everything's just depression. Yeah. yeah. Seems to be the fruit, actually, of, of evolution. Because I mean, even if you think about the United States, even 30 years ago, it wasn't as prevalent. Uh, but what has become more dominant is you know this understanding that we're just evolved, we're just basically sacks of uh, flesh with goo inside of us, and if that's the case. Well then, maybe it was maybe it was a mistake. And if you're not created in God's image, this is a, this question really is a good corrective for our culture right now. But it, what it states is true that God created us in His image, after His own image, and righteousness and holiness. Well, that's denied if you hold to an evolutionary theory. And if that's the case, well then, yeah, maybe I am. You know, maybe you could get in your head and think that you're a, a man trapped in a woman's body or something like that. Because that's not a rational thought at all. But if your standard is some theory that doesn't hold any, it doesn't make rational sense, then I can see how you get there. And it would be the same for other cultures too, like Terry's talking about back in like Sodom and Gomorrah's day. They obviously didn't believe in evolution, but they probably at the same time had lost an understanding of being created in God's image, and that leads to all sorts of sin. Right. A bedrock issue, really. Go ahead, Terry. Well, I think it's largely is going off what Paul's saying is when we move away from absolute truth then truth becomes whatever we want to make it. Oh, it's the postmodern world, that's yeah. where we are and today. So regardless of what it is whether it's this or something else, it doesn't matter. It's it's moving away from a perfect law is truth. And if we don't, we either believe it or we don't. And if we don't believe it, then anything goes. Anything can be rationalized. Anything can be you know, explained away in whatever we feel, whatever we think, whatever we, um, you know, want. So what, what do you say if somebody truth. says there's no such thing as absolute truth? Exactly. John's already on top of it. Do you guys understand that? What John just said? Yeah. That's a, that, that is an absolute statement that requires absolute truth when you tell somebody there's no such thing as absolute truth. So they can't say that with any sense it's or so sensibility. Yeah. Um, they can say it physically, but it won't make sense. And you could just shut them down on that. And Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Oh, so and then we'll get to Greg. Like the, uh, when somebody's in Christ, they, they, feel, they have purpose, right? Um, you're of yourself um, as a Christian or as a person and, and if you're, you're outside of Christ you're, there's confusion you're like I don't know my purpose here I don't know you know what I mean and you let allow the world to dictate your uh, your decision for you basically so I don't know yeah let me get to Greg first Good. so to, to move over a little bit to your macro and micro uh, evolution changes, yeah right? I watched the show one time, I don't know, it had to be an hour long, it was years ago, um, some Jacques Cousteau Saturday <laughs> show, right? I'm not going to age myself here, but at the end of the day, he did this whole thing, and, I, and I'm just going to shorten it up because I might have something wrong here, but he did this whole show on uh, the Finch, I think it was a Finch, on the Galapagos Islands, I think it was a Finch, right? He did this whole show of how this bird 
started one way and it changed and it adapted to be able to pull the worm or whatever it was it was feeding on. Yeah. yeah, so it changed, right? And so this whole show was this great, you know, discovery of this bird. Matter of fact, a friend of mine who teaches at Freedom High School, some zoology class, I don't know, he's a friend of mine so I can make fun of him. I walked into class one day and he was teaching this and he got done and the same thing that I'd asked myself then that somebody else had mentioned and I asked him at the end of the day he was talking about this great change and I'm like, as I'm sitting there pull, about to pull a kid out of class, I'm like, so is it still a finch? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Microevolution. So today, this is a, this this great discovery. We want to say, right? See, we changed speed. We didn't change speed. We didn't change this. It just evolved. Changed. I don't use the wrong words. Yeah. Changed. Adapted to fit where it's where it belonged. It didn't change from a bird to a fish. Right, and therefore it's quite easy as a Christian to believe in microevolution because you know, finches are going to change. Uh, if their beak gets longer, and it turns out you need longer beaks, those are the ones that are going to survive, but they're still a finch. And then five years later, you know, the long beak doesn't, mat or doesn't help, but the short beaks do. And those are the ones that are going to survive. The other ones die off, but they're still finches. They're still finch. They didn't change into an alligator, so. I still have enough faith to be an evolutionist. <laughs> and if, if you guys know anything, that was a devout Christian who discovered those things. That was a Charles Darwin in his Darwin. book. Well, he took yeah. that. I mean, I did some research, but not too much. Yeah, Josh. I'd like to ask somebody who's struggling with an identity crisis. You know, go before the court of law and say you're a criminal. And because if everything is based off of feelings nowadays, and you just have to feel a certain way, and no one can tell you you're wrong. Go before a judge as a criminal and say, you know, I don't identify as a criminal. I identify as someone who's not a criminal, so I should be set free. You know what I mean? And, and see how much sense that really makes. Well, just identify as the CEO, CEO of the company you work for, right? Exactly. Like, and then all of a sudden, you have a job. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. In other words, the concept of identifying as something that you clearly are not to the sensible person is bogus. So I have a question um, on uh, or comment on maybe number three about created in, in the image of God. I noticed that both of the verses that are used in the catechism are both kind of like referring to the new man, like the regenerate person. Right. So I was kind of wondering maybe is there perhaps like a, a discontinuity maybe with the Genesis 1 creation account. And so um, it, it felt like it made, at least for me, it felt like an object for the When... Adam was created, he was created with righteousness. He, um, you can't say that he was perfect in the sense that God was perfect because obviously he fell. Eve fell. Uh, God will never fall. Would that then be like a different righteousness? You think then than the Colossians and Ephesians verses? Um, I don't see why it would be different. And it's not something I could be definitive on right here, right now. <laughs> but it's an interesting question. So now I, I, I was looking for an Old Testament I guess I, verse, but it was you know, clearly it's, it seemed like this was like you know, now that you've you know you're a new creature, seeing that you've been born again, right? Put on the new man, and so wearing this, you know, the, the righteousness, and so it felt a little bit different than like the um, let's say the Adamic. So now you've given me homework. I remember that. So, so I also read a, a, fair, um, uh, a fair bit of um, uh, uh, literature by theistic evolutionists. And so, or sorry, uh, theist, yeah, theistic of, of creation. And right. So I think that's, um, a lot of these folks would have more of a, a nuanced uh, position. And so I would say kind of everything you've mentioned tonight is it being total agreement with like, the examples given by like Stephen Meyer or Michael Beatty from the Discovery Institute, right? Um, everything you're talking about regarding the flagellum and then also the um, uh, Darwin's mousetrap, right? Um, they would say that there's no random chance. Uh, but then other folks would say, you know, even at uh, Darwin's time, right, there were different views. There was one view called saltationism, kind of, kind of a little bit equal to punctuated equilibrium where things would develop um, kind of wholesale and functioning um, organic subsystems. And so um, I think 
some of these folks would nuance it in a different way, which is God still creates, but in the same way that there are physical laws, you know, force equals mass times acceleration, right? We have snowflakes take on a particular shape, right? They would say that there are biological laws that also, again, from the hand of God, that would then result in certain forms, right? And so you can kind of look at whether it's a whale or a shark or a porpoise, right? They have kind of similar body plans. And so there's there's like about six or seven different what we would call kind of like post, um, um, not Darwinian evolution, but there's one that's called process structuralism. There's a lot of different things where there's assigning definitely design elements to it, but um, instead of using the, the, the evil evolution word that has like so much baggage with it, right, they would kind of refer to this as kind of like common descent of modification through some kind of biological laws that, that God and so like a proof text or a broad sketch of that would be something like say Genesis 1.24 where the text says actually that the earth then brings forth right, um, these living creatures. Right? And, so, and so whether it's the creation of, of, a, of the man, right, Ha-Adam, um, through the dust of the ground, right? we still recognize that God creates, but it's not necessarily an ex nihilo creation of each and every single thing in the, in, in the and a big, I think the, the big challenge with that, and there's, you know, there are so many very, very high IQ people out there that uh, come up with another explanation. Um, what was that song we were singing? If you go to San Francisco, all around the nation, there's a new generation with a new explanation. It's like everything. They're trying to come up with explanations where they can tap dance around having to submit to... God, the creator of all, and people will continue to come up with interesting thoughts, but it's typically generated by wanting to be God, the God of your life, to not relinquish control of your life. They'll come up with some really great sounding stuff. Um, all we could do is try to explain where they might be off and to pray for them. Just witness to them. Josh, you are a popular man tonight. <laughs> So I'm not really capturing your question, maybe because you're too far away. But, um, yeah, the do I have an interpreter? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about the pronoun. He's talking about the pronoun. Oh, the him and. Uh, yeah. Should we address them by? Oh, what do you do with that? Yeah. Ignore it. I no. I I um. I would find some non-threatening some loving way to not acknowledge it. It's wrong, and it would be wrong of me to encourage somebody to pursue a lie. It's like somebody says, I'm gonna go rob a bank. I have absolutely no problem telling them, don't do it, bad idea, all right? Somebody says, you know, you know, it's uh, a, a guy, and he says, "I my pronouns are she and her, or something like that." It's like if I if if I am brought to a situation where I have to acknowledge that, you know, if it's just an email, I mean, delete it. <laughs> um, but if you know, if there's somebody puts my feet to the fire and says, "You have to." acknowledge her as a she and a, or a her, him as a she or a her, I wouldn't do it. That'd probably be my job. That just happened with that teacher in Virginia who wouldn't do it, and they fired him. Yeah. But then they had to reinstate him. A judge told the school district he needed to reinstate him. 
it's just so far beyond my sensibilities to to get into that. Uh, yeah, but it's actually a real thing now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it, like even the school system, right? Um, yeah, I actually have questions for myself. Like, I haven't class. had a student, and right. actually the student I mentioned before, what's kind of funny is other teachers I talked to were from Germany, and they were like, yeah, it's kind of a thing. Like, it's Raquel, you had something? We should keep in mind, though. I mean, it's uh, it it is you know it's it's reality. We've got to learn to uh, remain with the truth. We need to act out of love. So to snicker at people, to sneer at them, to physically attack them or something like that. You know, that would that would be that would be sinful. That's it's not showing love. I think it puts a lot of pressure on Christians trying to reconcile the fact that the government stands behind a falsehood that they wield the power of imprisonment and we have to abide by such laws, and, and this is where 
Romans comes in that if it's contrary to God, then we don't do it. That doesn't mean that we're going to get off scot-free. We may very well end up in, in prison. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet. But, you know, things could come down the road that are a totally anti-Christian that become a norm for the society. I mean, just think about being a Christian in China, okay? Or, or Iran, Korea, North Korea, that is. South Korea, you're fine. North Korea, you're dead. So um, it's kind of like, you know, going way back, like 30 years or, or 25 years, having a discussion on Mormons and what they believe. And it's, it's um, pretty far out there. Um, and I remember we had a class of like 50 people, and there's just like a lot of laughter and guffawing and things like that. And it's actually grievous that we have... A, a large people group, you know, like lemmings following the wrong lemming to the cliffside and going overboard. It's like what we really should do rather than, you know, laugh at them going over the edge of the cliff is to um, share Christ with them, the real Christ, um, the real God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So anyway, it's, it's difficult. There's some... 53 gender identities. It's, you know, inside, it's like I'm rolling my eyes, but I can't allow that really to come out at somebody who has gender number 27 or something like that. So I have to be careful. Terry, I'll let you be the last comment, and then we're just going to shut this thing down. <laughs> interesting this came up today because just before coming here uh, somebody asked me to pray for them and a situation in a marriage where husband and wife uh, the, the wife is contemplating or, or getting a divorce the husband wants to stay together uh, but because of a decision the husband made the wife seems it necessary to divorce well the rest of the story is the husband's decision he made was to get a sex change and become a woman. Doing so a now, Bruce Jenner yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, so now he is a female in the part of the sense anyway. Um, and now she's in a situation where, and he's like, oh, it's okay for us Are they to still married? Huh? Are they still married though? They are at this moment. It's the divorce is in the Ooh. process. The divorce is in the yeah. process. And he's like, this is all cool. We could just stay together and still being wife and wife kind of thing and she's like okay no this is not okay you know and so now she's in a situation asked me to pray for her because um this is just way over the top this is like how do you deal with the situation how do you you know and it's like what depravity has come has now been okay we'll stay together as friends and then it's like now um other People, anyway, the situation has gotten pretty crazy where just one thing has led to another and she's just asking for prayer to um, have God um, give her direction and uh, wisdom and direction and know what to do, be how to get out of this whole situation and away from this whole, you know, depravity of this life that's kind of sucking her down. You know? Yeah, well. So it's, it's real, it's very real, and um, it's uh, just interesting that it came up just before I got here today, and they're asking for prayer, and it's like, um, you know, I know I'm both and stuff, and so it's kind of like a strange situation. It's like, um, that must be very difficult. Yeah. You know, pray for you, ask you to ask her, you know, to come to church, and, you know, and just hopefully get plugged back in and know that, you know, God loves, God loves her in spite of the situation in the home or whatever's going on, that God still wants his best for her each one of us, so it's, it's tough. Is that how you want to end? Yeah, really, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, you know, we see depravity ever, ever since the fall. Um, you know, depravity is, uh, just continues to grow, and so people today can be born with uh, birth defects, they can be you know, born with 
some one thing, another thing. It, it's, it is because of the fall that we have gotten to where we've, we've gotten, but God is still in control. God um, wants, you know, God is still creator. And uh, if people uh, have a relationship with God, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter in the big picture how you were created. There will be a day when you are glorified in heaven with a new body, and uh, it'll be just fine then. You know, it's going to be a much longer time. Anyway, with that, we will close. We'll just pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, again, we want to thank you for your presence. We thank you for your, your word, for your absolute truth. And we're grateful to understand that, to even comprehend that there is an absolute truth, something that we can uh, go to the bank on, uh, whatever uh, the situations are that come across our path. Um, you've given us your, your perfect truth to which we can uh, reconcile and understand uh, any situation. Some are more difficult to understand than others, but um, you, know, you are unchangeable, your word is unchangeable, and it is holy and perfect uh, and righteous. And uh, help us, Lord, to always start our, our thought processes, um, just our entire um, being, uh, starting with you and with uh, your word that you have left us with, your special revelation that um, you know, we'll always be able to find peace uh, in that truth. So we thank you uh, again for who you are, all that you do for us, um, and for your mercy and love and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, nice discussion. Off the thing that never turned on. I am just hot. <laughs> you turned on, I even turned it on a power mode. I should have put it on 62 degrees. There is more air. Is it in this one? Yeah. Anyway, don't worry about it. I've got a. So, Jonathan Watson's coming to look at this stuff. Next time Ross has to talk, he'll say.